pulpit here. Um, and uh, some of them that I recognize as personal and some of them the church um, are, are in many ways the same. Uh, we've gone through and we'll go through some more tonight of, of brainstorming what we can do to reach some of those goals. Many are spiritual goals. Spiritual goals that are personal. Spiritual goals that are um, uh, church-wide goals. Um, let me read off just a few and then I'll share some things from the Word of I think maybe will help you with reaching some of these goals. Um, <clears throat> under the personal goals that uh, we had as a stronger devotional life, these are not in our order of priority. They were just as they were given. Um, I think one of our young people gave this one more obedience to authority, um, better testimony, um, consistency in prayer and a prayer life. Um, love each other in a godly way. Find ways to edify each other. These are, again, under personal goals. Um, more kind words in the church. Um, members sharing God's word. I believe that means with each other. Um, and better fellowship among the church. So these are personal goals that were listed. And then there was... Those that were church goals, um, uh, love each other in a godly way. Um, again, um, stronger fellowship among the women. Uh, consistency with any ministry. Um, Again, those were goals that were um, listed. A lot of these are are just uh, simply put are things of results of uh, reaching some of these goals are are goals that uh, we get when we when we walk with the Lord. Uh, last song, I don't think I have a hymn book up here. Um, Danny, bring me a hymn book. What was the last song we sung? Hundred and what was it? Blessed be the tie that binds. What what page was that? If you look at that, just a minute. It's really one fifty four. Just look at some of the words. And this is, by the way, is no new new hymn. First verse is just, just uh, you know, this is not a new uh, desire that we have to be a close church. I think that's uh, the something God puts in all of our heart that this is our our church family. Verse one it says, "Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love." And fellowship of kindred minds is to like that above. Uh, verse two: Before our Father's throne, we pour out our ardent prayers. Our fears, our hopes, our aims are are one. Goals, basically. Uh, our comfort and our cares. Verse 3, we share our mutual woes. 
uh, our mutual burdens bear. Often for each other, other flows sympathizing tear. Uh, <clears throat> when we, when asunder part, asunder depart, asunder part, it gives us inward pain. But we shall still be joined in heart and hope to meet again. So even to, to the point of the time that, that we do go home to be with the Lord. So I, there is this um, this uh, this idea that how do we get to the to the spiritual end? Most of these are uh, goals that we've listed here for for the church, whether they be personal or for the overall church. Many are just that they're they're spiritual goals, and and I I guess I'm encouraged is that uh, people do recognize that they're we could do better. And um, and as your pastor, I want to do better to to help you uh, do my part uh, to be that example. Secondly, to to pray for you. I think I always used to say my my uh, uh, greatest ministry in the church was to be an example. I've since changed that. I think my greatest ministry is to pray for you. And um, certainly, if I pray for you, I, I will be a, a good example of that as well. But I want to look at the mind of Christ. In Philippians chapter number 1, we're going to look at this, this heart that God has given us and how, we, how do we attain that, that, that kind of heart that God wants us to have toward uh, Him, toward others, uh, toward His work. How do we, how do we reach these, these, this goal? And uh, it's not really it's not really that impossible to do but it is it is a spiritual endeavor so it's not I guess what I'm saying is it's it is uh, it's something if we recognize how important it is that I think in our part of our personal goals was I I, I didn't mention it earlier but More consistency in prayer life, um, better devotional life, um, more obedience to authority—all those things really fit well with with uh, what it means to to have a walk with the Lord. Um, if you take your Bibles, turn to Philippians. We're gonna we're gonna read just a portion of it together. Uh, Philippians chapter number one, and if you'll stand out of respect. For God's word, the Bible says in verse number one, Paul and Timotheus, the, ter- the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as is meet for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel ye are partakers of my grace. 
For your God is my record, how greatly I longed after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge in all judgment, that ye may be may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. <clears throat> Father, You have a, a plan. And Father, maybe it's not framed in, in a year like 2014. Maybe it's a much greater and more specific. But uh, Lord, I believe with all of my heart that You've given us all of Your mind. And Father, that if we seek You with all of our heart, Father, we'll have exactly the desires of our heart. And Lord, that it would be honoring to You and pleasing to You and in a blessing not only to ourselves, but maybe more importantly to those around us. And I ask, Father, that uh, Your hand would be with not only ourselves, but those that couldn't be here this morning. And uh, that, Father, You'd strengthen us that, that Father, no matter how our our world may become callous to You, that, Father, we'd be very sensitive, very open, and very desirous, Father, for You to have Your way in in our midst. And, Father, we thank You for Your salvation. We thank You, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, there was literally nothing that we could do, but, Father, You paid the price for us. And, Lord, we are forever thankful and Lord, help us to live lives that reflect that sense of gratitude, Father, for You and what You've done. And Lord, help us to overcome every foe and every obstacle, Father, that that we could, Lord, Lord, bring honor and glory to You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You have a seat. Uh, this mind of Christ is, uh, and uh, <clears throat> there is. Uh, I believe that 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 is if that's one goal that we could have um, to have the mind of Christ is is really would solve a lot of other issues that we may face personally or as a church and uh, and many times there's a, a sense of a deficit that people feel and as they come to church like I'm missing something or I don't feel close to anybody or I feel uh, kind of estranged from uh, my my church family, and uh, the thing that you got to remind yourself is that that sometimes that that sense of uh, feeling like that is not just you may not be the only one in that circumstances, but understand that maybe maybe that's something within, you know, something in your own spiritual life that needs to be dealt with and worked on that maybe would help that be alleviated. So if you, when we look at Philippians chapter number 1, we, we see here, I think, the mind of Christ at work. And uh, I, I pray that you just take time with me and, and look at some of the verses that we see the Apostle mention here. And uh, and this, if you think about it, we the, the words that are penned here and the words that are... Uh, inspired of God and that that are used of God are really the mind of God and the heart of God and the spirit of God. 
the Apostle Paul, as he's talking to the Philippians, is demonstrating what, what each one of us would like to have. Uh, what his heart was toward these Philippians and his desire was for these Philippians uh, church. And that doesn't necessarily mean they were mature. It just means that this is how he felt toward them and what he desired for them. And if you think of it in the way that I think we should, is that that is the mind of Christ. you know, And that's the way we should feel toward one another. Uh, what we should desire for others is that not just what, what I can get out of church, but what can I be for others in the church? And how does God want me to be? You think about it, as somebody that's a giving person, and I believe that every person has that potential to be a very giving person, uh, has something to give. Alright, you can't give unless you have something to give. And uh, if you're feeling like you, you yourself are, are in need and yet you're expected to give, well, that that's kind of a difficult challenge that you face and say, well, I don't, I don't feel like giving because I feel like I have a need and it's not being met. And uh, so when he, when one of the benefits, and I hope to help to bring this out, is that is that one of the benefits of your devotional life or your prayer life or your time in the Word of God is that God gives you something not only just for your benefit. And, and to really understand this is, uh, I think, a spiritual concept. But when you are filled with the, the Holy Spirit of God and as Jesus spoke to the uh, woman at the well, He said, there shall be a river a well of water welling up in me. I mean, kind of like this overflowing thing that says, I, I have more than I need. Alright, I'm blessed. I, I uh, sense the hand of God, the presence of God, the power of God in my life. And I want to go beyond that uh, God has met my need and now I want to reach out to what? To reach and meet the needs of others. So if we feel a little bit of a deficit, you know, like we're not being fed or we're not being ministered to or whatever that we might sense within ourselves, understand that maybe that and that's uh, to say that that exists isn't wrong in itself, but it is a sign that we need to grow. Okay, It doesn't mean that because you feel a need that, 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 that's, that something's wrong, but it just does mean we need to mature. There needs to be some spiritual growth. So we're going to look in Philippians chapter number one. We're going to kind of pick out some things that maybe we read. I hope to be a help to you in this area. If nothing else, maybe it'll open the, your eyes to the idea of, of the, the probable uh, potential that you maybe have and expect when you spend the time that is necessary in the Word of God and prayer. He says uh, in chapter number one, he says, he says, I thank my God. Now listen to what he says here. Upon every what? Remembrance of you. Thank my God upon every remembrance of you. That means every thought that he had toward those Philippians. He's very thankful about it. He was thankful for every individual and every need that they had and every issue that they had. He was thankful for their salvation and thankful that... <coughs> That the Lord had brought them to that point and, and, and helped them to understand the gospel. And he felt his part of their life was important. In verse number, 
In four, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request what? With joy. So he looked at his life as a ministry to the Philippians. And he counted that remembrance of them was a blessing to him. And to be able to minister to them and help them and encourage them, pray for them, was a, was a tremendous blessing to them. And when we get down to verse 5, for he says, for your fellowship in the Gospel on the first day until now. So it wasn't because they were mature and they were ministering to him. It's because they were saved and they had potential that God, he was looking to see if, if, if God wasn't going to be a part of that. And then you look down in verse 9, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun what? A good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if you look at the apostle as he looked at these Philippians from the day they were saved until now, he had great hopes of good things happening to them and spiritual growth and maturity in their lives. And he was, and that great get that gave him great joy. But understand this. And verse 6, I think, points out that God does the work. You think about it. Sometimes we try to minister others in our strength. You know what? That just don't go very far. You try to do and try to be a help and try to be a blessing and you do that in your strength. And I, I know it's like many of us. Well, I give and give and give. We've done this in our marriage. Uh, I've done this and this and this, and we kind of keep track. You know, we got this little chalkboard up there, and we we mark up there, and we and mentally that I've done this and this and this, and and what have they done, right? But see, Paul never looked at what they could do for him. Now, would they should they done things for Paul, and did they do things for Paul? Probably they did. But what only thing he was thinking about is what can I do for them, and he. And you think in your mind, nobody can be like that. Nobody can give and give and give and give. And you know what? You're 100% right. Nobody can give and give and give and give. Unless, now listen to me, unless you're getting something from God to give people. Are you listening? When we look at these goals and we see there's a people feeling a need and feeling a desire, and, they, and I'm not saying that's, that's the way we come. We come that way. We come into the church that way. We get saved that way. And God meets our need in many ways. But He meets our needs in a, not just in a physical, tangible way, but He meets our needs in a spiritual way. He doesn't want you to always feel like you have to be ministered to. He wants you to get to the place where you are ministering to others. Listen, that's where the real joy resides in the Christian life. If you're coming to church with the idea that I just need to be fed and I just need to be ministered to and I just need someone... Listen, you're missing the Christian life. It's not about what, 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 what others do for you. It's what... God wants to do through you to others. And when this becomes in its greatest, I guess, example of that is when not only do we have enough to give people within our family, this church, but when we have enough to start giving with beyond this church. 
Well, there's one of the needs that we had in there is that we do more evangelism. And, uh, and I believe that the church should do evangelism, but if it doesn't come from the heart, if it's just a mechanical thing that we're going out of, well, i got to go do this and i got to go do that, if it's not a natural and normal a part of your uh, walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, then really, can we say it is Christ? It is the Lord in us, the hope of glory? Is it verse 6? It says, being confident, He which hath begun the good work, He which begun the good work, He says, He shall what? He shall. He says, uh, uh, In you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So number one, the mind of Christ is really God does the work. If you try to do things in your strength, you run out right away. There's not, there's not, you don't have the resources from within to do what God says needs to be done for others. You don't have it. Secondly, in verse number 7 and 8, and he says, Even as it is meet for me to think of you all, because I have you what? <clears throat> in my heart, insomuch as both in my bonds and defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. Paul says, listen, I have a burden for you. I really do. I have a burden for you. Wouldn't it be great if we become the kind of church in these goals that we just have a burden for one another? We want to say, I, I, want, I want to feel my need met. Listen, it's not up to you to meet your own need. It's up to someone else to help you to meet that need within you. That spiritual need. And listen, when we are dovetailed together in a spiritual way, then we're not concerned because others take part in meeting your needs. Christ meets their needs. But you know what? I think there's a part of that that He leaves out. And He says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to fill every need in your life because I'm going to bring people from within the church to meet those needs. And is it not, wouldn't you not say that when Christ is in you and God is working a work in you, that when you minister to another, it is Christ working just another way. Not only in your devotional life and your spiritual life, but then someone comes along with the mind of Christ and meets your need in another way. It can be in, a, in a, so many different tangible ways. You can pray for people. You can say, I heard about a need someone had and, and I pray about it and God says, well, hey, I'd like you to meet that need. Ma'am, sir, young person, you young people, let's see the, the play and I, I take some time here. Listen, where you learn to, to, to utilize and, and to be what you need to be for the church is when you realize what you need to be for your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad. You recognize, hey, my mom uh, has been working all day and my dad's been working all day and, uh, uh, and God laid upon my heart to meet their need. Boy, if we could be that for our brother, sister, mom, and dad, what a great start that is to being what you should be in the church. If you can't meet a brother or sister's need, then what is the chances? of you're going to meet someone's need in the church. No. It's not going to happen. 
So there has to be a burden. It ought to be that when you wake up in the morning and when you go to bed at night, you're thinking about other people around you. You're thinking about their needs. You know, you know it, it is kind of interesting that when God really does start working in your life, listen, you don't think about yourself so much. You don't think about yourself. Yeah, you have needs, but they're not so uh, acute to you. Yeah, you have things that are going on in your life, but your burden is for who? For other people. You think about the greatest commandment that there is. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, spirit, and strength. And then he said the second commandment is what? Liken unto that that we should love our what? Neighbors as ourselves. That we'd have as much burden or more burden about other people around us as we do about ourselves. That's what I think sometimes is really makes Christians stand out. So one of the one of the goals in here was to be a better testimony. I mean, it's it is it, it, you think about it, it ought to be you know we got this season where it's snowing and you got neighbors that need their uh, uh, walks swept off and. I had a, a, one lady at work says, you know, every morning when I came out, one of my neighbors cleaned my windows off of my car. She says, you know what? I never did know who did it. They just did it every morning. My, every day, it didn't matter when, it, when I'd go out. Every morning, my windows would be cleaned off in my car. See, that's an others-minded person. Didn't care whether they got recognition for it. But they were just others minded. A burden about others. Number three. Verses 9 through 11. He says, And this I pray that your love may abound yet what? More and more. So he says, You've got to, you've got to start, but you're not, you're not where you need to be. Maybe if we, when we get our goals and, and we listed those things out, well, we've got to start, but we all recognize there's some more that could be done. There's more that we could do, and there's more that I, I think I could do. I mentioned to the young people this morning, I said, do you realize you can see needs in other people, what they need to be doing? But you realize this, when, when, when couples learn this, this is a phenomenal thing. When married people learn this, when they find out you can't change another person. Boy, that's hard. I, I've seen this happen. Well, a wife's going to change her husband and the husband's going to change his, his wife and, and, uh, and you're going to try. Listen, if you just get this and get it right, you cannot change one person. Right? How many agree with me? You can't change nobody. But guess who you can change? You can change yourself. And by changing yourself, sometimes that's enough to bring the kind of witness that someone needs that they, they need to change something in their life. I don't think I dare say there's people here right here would raise their hand. There was people that were such a testimony to me that made me want to change. How many agree with that? 
Oh, I, I can I can list several people that were such a good example to me, and that encouraged me to make some changes in my life. But number three, <clears throat> he says that you may approve. In verse number ten, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by who? Which are by who? Jesus Christ. The fruits of righteousness. That's, that means doing the right thing. Thinking the right thing. Desiring right, the right thing. And who's it by? By the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ. Unto the glory and what? And the praise of God. So when you do the right thing, you're hoping that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, gets the credit. When you do the right thing with your spouse, and you hope, I hope it brings glory to God. When I do the right thing for my neighbors, with the people in the church, I hope Jesus Christ gets the credit. So if we got the mind of Christ, we desire others to experience Christ. You see, I want you to know the Jesus that brought these desires and changes in my life. I don't want you to emulate me. I don't want you to uh, look at me and think I'm somebody grandiose. I want you to look at Christ. He's the one that changed me. He's the one that's made a difference. It's that time that I spent in His Word and prayer and in His will that, boy, has He changed my life. When we want somebody to emulate us, that's pride. When we want somebody to emulate Christ, that's humility. Number four, I want you to look down verse 12 with me. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather under the what? The furtherance of the gospel. He says, the things that's happened to me. He says, yeah, I've gone through some things, but it's it's helped. The, and he says, you know, you think about it. <clears throat> there were a lot of things that happened to Paul that wasn't so good. There, he went through some difficulties. And if you go through and he mentions all, he, he lists all the things that happened to him in his life. You say, well, you, you kind of learn. You ever made a mistake and you kind of learn from that mistake? Well, I won't do that again. Right? I, 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 I tell people when I went, we went through this thing with the house and, and uh, I should have got an attorney and I should have did this. and I, I said, I learned from that mistake. I won't do that again. But you know, when we live for the Lord Jesus Christ, those aren't mistakes. When difficulties happen to us and we go through those things and you say, well, we sing that old song, it will be worth it all. Right? Don't we sing that? When we see Jesus, life's trials will seem so what? Small. When we see Him, can we sing that? 
I mean, when we go through difficulties, and maybe somebody doesn't treat you exactly right, and maybe things aren't going so well, and you say, well, I did it because I knew it was right, and I do it again! Because I did it because it was for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us, boy, we get a little slap, and we think, well, I'm not going to allow that to happen again. I go through a little challenge in the church. I'm not going to let that happen again. I don't think that's Jesus, to be honest with you. He says, our things that I've gone through have been for the what? Furtherance of the Gospel. That is the mind of Christ. And when we got the mind of Christ, yeah, we're going to go through some difficult times. And yes, there's going to be some challenges we face in our home and with our children and in our church. But we're going to say, you know what? I stuck it out. There's something about being in love with the Lord Jesus if you stick some things out. See, some people, they just think, well, I, I'd like to find this perfect church. By the way, if you find that one, let me know. I want to go there. I really do. I've heard, and I've never heard of it. And somehow, people got this uh, idea there's this perfect church out there. It don't exist. Because we're dealing with sinners going to church. The mind of Christ understands that. And when you read Paul, you'd say, man, that, you, you read about what he said and, and how he's ministered. And they, man, that Philippian church must have been a wonderful place. You know what? I don't think Philippian church is any different than any other church. It's just that Paul had the mind of Christ and said, these are believers and I'm going to minister to them and I'm going to be all that I need for them. And yeah, maybe they won't take me right and maybe they, I won't get much back from it, but I'm going to have a mind of Christ with them. So what do we have to look forward to if we don't have the mind of Christ? We're going to have a mind that's divided. See, the, the thing of it is, either you have God's mind or you have you try to share that understanding and say, well, I, I, have, I have how I feel about it and I, I have how God feels about it. You know what? It doesn't really matter how you feel about it. That's a mind divided. I look at what Paul, he wasn't divided with these Philippians. He wasn't, he was full out for them. And he was in it for them. Let's look at some verses together that deal with this <clears throat> divided mind. First Peter, if you would, chapter number four. First Peter, chapter number four. Bible says in verse number 1, <clears throat> chapter 4, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, what's He tell us to do? Arm yourselves, what? Likewise, with the same what? Mind. So you're going to suffer in the flesh as a Christian. That is the, that is the understanding that if your if your flesh 
And in your mind, you say, well, I ain't liking the way I'm with the things I'm going through. And, I ain't, and I, I'm getting kind of upset about this. And I'm getting kind of discouraged about that. And the, he says here, he says, arm yourself likewise with the for he that has suffered in the flesh has what? Ceased from sin. That means suffering in the flesh, meaning you're willing to put, go, let yourself go through some things for others. And listen, that suffering the flesh is just about others always. You say, we'd have a happy home if it wasn't for all these kids we had. Right? I'd have a happy home if it wasn't for my wife. I'd have a happy home if it wasn't for my husband. I'd have a happy church if it wasn't for all them other Christians in that church. Guess what? When you get together with other people, and you go out and witness to other people... It's all about what? Tribulation. It's all about challenges. Verse 2, that he, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. He says, For in time past of our life may it suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walk in lasciviousness and lust and excess of wine, reveling in banqueting and abominable idolatries. Verse 4, Wherein they think it strange that you not run with them the same excess riot speaking evil of you. The flesh... <clears throat> Is a hard thing. That's why we got to die to it. We can't be so sensitive to all our little needs that our flesh always are trying to dominate our thoughts and our desires. Take your Bible, turn to Second Corinthians, if you would. The divided mind allows the flesh to dictate and to control and to manage our lives, and to do our thinking for us. It's so contrary to the mind of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter number 10. Verse 1 through 5. Second Corinthians chapter 1, or 10. 1 through 5. He says, Now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with the boldness wherein I think to be bold against some which think of us as though we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Yeah, we're living this life in this world, but they, the, what we see manifested isn't the flesh. Verse 4, For the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity what? 
Everyone. Everyone. Every thought. That means we get a, I get dumb thoughts that come in. How many of you get some dumb thoughts that come into your mind? I mean, you get these, you get kind of upset or angry or you get kind of like you want to talk about somebody and, uh, and it so happens so easy with your spouse. I mean, you won't say it to anybody else, but you'll get over there with your spouse and say, well, you know how that Carolyn is. You know? You see how she looked at me the other day? Yeah, I did. Well, you know what? That's a vain imagination, isn't it? Why are you talking about that? And why are you bringing that up? By the way, Carolyn, you didn't do anything. Were you thinking about doing something? No. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into the captivity every thought to the what? You ever did you get a thought comes in your mind and you get ready to say something and they say, what was you going to say? I, I said, I better not say it. <laughs> it was dumb. Shouldn't, it shouldn't even thought it. Boy, you know, if we'd arrest our thoughts before they ever enter our mouth, we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Right? How many agree with me? We let our mouths run because they come right out of here and they never come through the filter of the Holy Spirit. And that's because the flesh is anything but humble. And notice what it says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I say to you, flesh is anything but humble and it does not want to be under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ or His Holy Spirit or His Word. It wants to be under our own authority. So mind divided has a proud flesh. Romans chapter number 8. I'm not going to spend much time. about done. Romans chapter number 8. I'm saying to you that these goals that we have for 2014, I believe, with all my heart, can be reached. We understand that we have the ability through the Lord Jesus Christ to do these things. Romans chapter 8. Verse number 9. He says, but ye, that's you and me, are not in the flesh, but in the what? What is it? In the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. It means that you can't be a Christian and not have God's Spirit. And verse 10, and if Christ be in you, then what? The body is what? Is what? It's dead because of what? It's sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal or your dead bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, think about it. 
the power of God that resurrected the Lord Jesus Christ from the tomb. He was dead. And do you agree? He was dead. There was no heartbeat. The blood all ran out. He was dead. But guess what? God rose the Lord Jesus Christ from what? The dead. And you don't think God, if God can raise the Lord Jesus from the dead, He can change you and me. He can change our patterns, our habits, our tradition. He can change anything and everything. And He can change this church. And He can change you personally. If He could raise the Lord Jesus from the dead, He can quicken or make you alive in Christ Jesus. He says, quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, the collusion, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit, you do what? What's that word? What is it? Come on, say it. What is it? Mortify. What does mortify mean? Make it dead. You, you and me, through the Spirit of God, got to mortify or make dead this flesh that wants to control the outcome of our life. You've got to say, wait a minute, by the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh or my tradition or my, my, the way I used to behave. I'm through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to change. That'd be an exciting thing if everybody got busy on changing through the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea being there is the spirit and the flesh cannot coexist. It's divided. So the spirit has to do what to the flesh? Mortify it. So the flesh is not no longer directing, guiding, and influencing your life, or my life, or the life of the church. So how do we do that? Verse 14. It says, For as many as are what? Led by the Spirit. You're looking for God's leadership before you think a thought, before you say a word, before you do an action. You're asking for God's leadership. He says, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they, they are the what? Sons of God. They are the ones that are under God's leadership. You say, well, you mean I'm not saved? No, I'm just saying you don't resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't resemble His mind. You're not resembling His Spirit. And He says, For ye have not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the Spirit of adoption, where we cry what? Father. Father. It's like, Daddy, you got to help me. I'm going to know what? Lord, you got to help me. I don't want this flesh to play itself out. 
Alright. The flesh draws you into the affairs of this life. So what? The flesh is anything but humble. The flesh and the Spirit cannot coexist together. Number three, the flesh draws you to the affairs of this life. Second Timothy, if you will. Second Timothy. <clears throat> So easy. The flesh, remember, cannot coexist. Second Timothy chapter 2. There's God's will and then there's the will of the flesh. Verse 1. Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, Thou therefore my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard among many witnesses, that same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Again, remember what the mind of Christ is. Burdened about others. Consumed with life's entire purpose. See, that's some of you. You wonder why the flesh rules. It's because that's all you want to entertain. And then you say, I just don't feel like like my church is really... That good well listen, maybe it's not the church, maybe it's you. Maybe you need to work from the inside out. The old saying you can live in a garage. Does that make you a car? You can go to church, does that make you a Christian? You've got to be burdened about the things that God's burdened about. The last, last one. Ah, we're going to call that one good. Simply said, folks. These goals, very, very good goals. Don't, don't. I'm not undercutting. I'm, I'm very impressed with. I think the, the, the sensitivity of the people that put these down, because they were speaking from the heart. But I'm telling you that a lot of these things that were that were mentioned on these lists would really be taken care of from what I spoke about this morning. Really would. You're asking something outside of you to make you feel spiritual. And it's not from what's outside. Remember what the Bible says? The kingdom of God is where? Anybody know where the kingdom of God resides? It's within you. It's within you. Look it up in your Bible. You're looking for the kingdom of God out there. Listen, the kingdom of God is right inside. When He rules and reigns inside this soul of yours, and the flesh is dead, and the Christ is alive, then guess what? Everything else looks a little rosier. 
You're seeing things through the eyes of God and the mind of God and the heart of God. Oh, is there imperfections? Oh my, yes. Did Paul, did Paul know that the Philippians had issues? How many think Paul knew they had some issues? But he looked at you read that and you say, man, that's a, that's a positive letter to the Philippian church. And it was. Because he had whose mind? Come on. He had Christ's mind. I mean, how many, how many of you would like to deal with the church of Corinth? I mean, how many know, how many read about the church of Corinth? Most of us say, man, is that a dirty church? I'm not going back there no more. I'm just going to wash my hands of that. And where did Paul head? He sent two letters there and said, we can fix this. God can fix this. Here's what you need to do. God can do this. How many think God can fix Garfield Ridge Baptist Church and the people within? How many think God can fix that? Think that's hard for the Lord? I don't know. Just got to have some people with whose mind? God's mind. Simple. I try not to make it too simple, but it is simple. And that's why when we take that time and you're teaching your children, have those devotions, make that prayer life real. It fixes a lot of things. Let's close in prayer. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, you know, we don't deserve to be called after Your name. We don't deserve to be a Christian church. We don't deserve to have the Word of God. We don't deserve to have Your